Hey, welcome to the pre-ramble for Electric Liberty Land, episode number 141. Guys, today I want to tell you, if you go and join our pride right now, you're going to get yourselves the brand new, the very fantastic Taxation is Death mug. Yes, we throw around the Taxation is Theft Monica, but really, what is it when you get down to it? Your taxes are going towards funding of wars. Your taxes are taking money out of your pocket that we can spend on life expenses that taking money out of your children's mouths if they're eating money or you're buying food with it, whatever else it might be. Let's kick this thing up a notch. Go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Join up. If you join up for at least $10 or more, or if you're a current pride member and you want to bump your membership up to at least $10 or to the next level, if you're already at $10, you will get a brand new 100% free taxation is death mug. Go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Check it out. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 141, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that sweet tunage. <laughs> ah, well, so, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard of Dark Tom Woods. He has uh, risen to fame because Mark appeared on the uh, Friends Against Government podcast, also known as the Fagcast, and they uh, somehow lost the entire episode he was on, so we had to re-record it with them. And we blamed it on Dark Tom Woods, Tom Woods' evil alter ego who goes around and fucks with other libertarian podcasts so he can maintain his position at the top of the hierarchy. And uh, you're going to hear me make reference to this at the end, probably like two-thirds into the show. But that was when I thought that I had saved the audio files that I recorded earlier. And when I went to go and export this goddamn episode got error messages galore that all of the content that I had spent 40 minutes trying to save, trying to, uh, to port over into a new track so that I could use it. Thought I had successfully done. So turns out all that gone, 
all gone. So you heard my nice song. I had to record that all over again, mix it all over again. I do it for you people because I love you. Join the fucking pride, make my life worth it. Um, and now I have to try to recreate my uh, initial talking points. Very frustrated and angry and tired. So I'll just be very brief. I was going to talk a little bit more about climate change stuff. Um, <laughs> but then John Bolton, you know, he, he fell into my lap. I don't feel like talking about John Bolton for another 20 minutes, but I will say what's interesting about Trump firing Bolton is that we saw kind of saw the writing on the wall in regards to this, right? We saw that Trump would undermine Bolton and company. He would undermine him in front of other uh, cabinet members. He was constantly joking that John Bolton wanted to bomb everybody. So it's not surprising to see him get ousted. Now, what is surprising is the man replacing him is an utter neocon. And now this just might be temporary. Hopefully it is because he is just acting in the role that John Burton Bolton just uh, was kicked out of. But his name's Charles M. Kupperman. He is uh, the deputy national security advisor. Trump had named him to that position in January 2019. And this motherfucker, man, he is just as hawkish and as neoconservative as you could possibly get. He's a member of all sorts of committees. Well, number one, he served under Ronald Reagan. Uh, so, you know, his, he's not a huge fan of Iran and he was the executive director of the general advisory committee on arms control and disarmament also has been involved with the ultra anti-Iran center for security policy or CSP. He's also a member of the committee on the present danger, which of course is a huge anti-terrorism, big Hawk operation. He's also a member of empower America and the Missouri state university's department of defense and strategic studies. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know anything about them. Maybe uh, Missouri State is based. Maybe, maybe you know, like colleges have those those coats of arms. Maybe Missouri State is just like, fuck Iran. <laughs> that is just like a knight kicking a guy in a ta- in a like a Taliban robe. Anyway, so if this son of a bitch takes over, we're in some trouble. Now, hopefully, Rand Paul gets in there and can kind of kind of be a, a Trump whisperer and get somebody in that's going to be less hawkish and that's going to more focus on reining in military adventures abroad because Trump does seem like he wants to pull back. You know, he ran on a lack of regime change. Now, granted, I quite seen that, but ran on no regime change, ran on end the wars abroad. Now, he has made strides with Kim Jong-un. That is, of course, fantastic to see. And he was just about to sit down with the Taliban at Camp David. Now, people were really ripping him for that, including Justin Amash. Now, Justin Amash was ripping him because he didn't think it was appropriate to meet with the Taliban on the anniversary week of 9-11, which is, of course, fucking stupid. Anytime you're going to meet with somebody to end the longest war in America, especially if you consider yourself a libertarian, you should be applauding that meeting. And, you know, the week of 9-11... It's not like a sorority girl's birthday. You don't celebrate it for the whole week and the whole fucking month and it's never ending. It's one day. And frankly, I think the media uh, makes way too much of it. I think our politicians and the media collaborate to use it as an exercise in keeping the jingoistic militarism going. You know, never forget. It's like, you know, it's like if somebody came up to you when you were a little kid and stole your ice cream. And then for the rest of your life, somebody came up to you on that same day and, and you know, took an ice cream and shoved it in your face. And you said, never forget. Fuck those people forever. 
just aggravates me. Just an excuse to keep our military budget you know, skyrocketing. Constantly keep America in fear. It's stupid. But anyway, Trump was supposed to sit down with the Taliban. Now, they blew up two car bombs, killed one American, supposedly. They took credit for that. Additionally, on, uh, on 9-11, at least 9-11 Afghanistan time, because it was still the 10th here, a rocket was fired at the U.S. Embassy, didn't hit anybody, didn't kill anybody, uh, and I didn't see the Taliban take credit for it, but that, of course, didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't help things. But John Bolton this entire time was opposed to even taking the sit-down with the Taliban. He just wants to keep on fighting, keep us entrenched in this war, which is never-ending, in which we have no chance of winning. So I'm really hoping that Trump has come around to the fact, listen to one of his, you know, what these generals coming home, what these soldiers coming home are saying, that this is purely an unwinnable war. I mean, we're over there trying to fight for people that don't really care to fight for themselves. And we've seen this in areas where the U.S. has taken it over, where we've trained the police and trained the Afghanistan soldiers to sit there and keep this territory occupied. And the Taliban simply come in and they go, hey, get the fuck out. We run, we're in control here. And they go, okay, whatever. And I was reading reports from, literally from people coming back. And it was like fairly high-ranking individuals in the military. They'd say, yeah, the cops just let the Taliban drive right by. They don't stop them. They don't want to die for us. They, you know, they know this is our war. It's not their war. They don't give you know, they're not, they don't give a shit about women's rights. Americans you know, might give a shit about women's rights. I don't, I'll tell you what, I don't give enough of a shit about Afghanistan women's rights to have us keep going and spending trillions of dollars there and having people die there from our country while creating more terrorists that can come over and try to do a 9-11 again here, which will never happen, by the way, but just insane. So hopefully Trump's waking up to that fact. The first time I recorded this, I'm not going to lie. I had a lot more to say about this, <laughs> but as I said, I am uh, I am now a, a beaten dog lying in the corner. Oh, okay. So uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the, the uh, climate stuff. I did not watch the entire seven hour climate debate and kind <laughs> of trying to what the, I'm going to try to tie into the point where my recording saved, but I just think that. All of this theater is absolutely insane for the Democrats to do. I mean, what kind of an asshole sits around and watches seven hours of climate debate anyway? Anybody that's that sick in the mind to do that clearly believes that the world is ending, the chicken little was right, and is already sitting in the basement of their home eating vegetable patties and drinking their own urine. Like, they're they're over. They've moved as far from the rising sea levels as they can. And, uh, and hopefully they discovered some way to turn water into, or turn urine into water, like, uh, in Waterworld, whatever contraption that, uh, Kevin Costner put together as magical gill man. But otherwise normal people watching this shit, I mean, look, people care about the climate, right? But they don't care that much about the climate. They care about real life issues and to see these people talk about these programs that cost trillions and trillions of dollars is just absolutely absurd when they can't see any real tangible effect. Maybe extreme weather if you're to believe the mainstream media, but if you look at the scientific data behind it, as I have, there is virtually no correlation between weather and temperature temperature rises and extreme weather. Almost zero. You wouldn't believe that by listening to the mainstream media, though, because they don't actually do any investigative journalism. They don't actually dive into the science behind it. They don't want to. They've all signed off on this crazy pact to cover the climate as a crisis. And this is despite the fact that, you know, there's been this 
lull in warming. You'll have people like uh, the hack who just lost a lawsuit over uh, Michael Mann of Penn State, sadly of my alma mater. But this hack lost a, a, a lawsuit where he refused to turn over his data. And he refused to turn over his data for one simple reason, because he knows it's full of shit. He knows that he's he, basically what he did and what all these climate scientists have been doing is they're adjusting data to meet the outcome that they want. And a lot of the stations they go to measure these temperatures at are placed in these city centers wherein it used to be rural farmland or it used to be out in the middle of nowhere where it wouldn't get the secondary heat sources. It wouldn't get the heat from the city, from the cars, from the pavement, retaining that heat and forcing it out and making it seem hotter than it is. Instead, they leave them there. Now they're surrounded. Now the temperature gauges are off and you've got no reliable reading. So what they do Instead of simply moving them, what they've been doing is going through and making these manual corrections, which, of course, if you're going through and making corrections based upon what you think, well, this should be that and should be this, even if you're trying to be unbiased, you're probably still going to be biased. And as it turns out, they were biased. And now here's what I'm going to try to tie into what I was saying before. (laughs) So it might be a little bit awkward change. Anyway, uh, the NOAA had to refute some studies and uh, I'll go into my pre-recorded ramble here and uh, uh, hope for the best. And it turns out it's actually NOAA itself, the national oceanic and atmospheric administration, who of course does the majority of uh, reporting for the United States and is widely uh, utilized in United Nations reports. They were challenged by Anthony Watts of uh, popular climate website, what's up with that, who had challenged their own reporting and their numbers saying that they had skewed too high for the reasons I had just mentioned, uh, that being too close to city centers. So they said, oh yeah, we're going to show you. And turns out after they did their own investigation, it turns out Anthony Watt was correct. <laughs> and the journal of the American Meteorolo- Meteorolo- meteorological society, Jesus Christ, jams, as it's known, uh, confirms his claim and that NOAA has underestimated the extent to which heat island effect has compromised its recorded temperatures. So nobody in the media will report on that because they're all in collusion together to uh, to report this climate nonsense. But it's a losing issue, coming back to the point. People don't see the, re- the, the effects of this in their daily lives. They want to know what's going to happen to them you know, what's going to happen with their taxes? What's going to happen with their, uh, with their kids going to school? What's going to happen with gas? What's going to happen with war? What's going to happen with just, you know, the stock market and the economy in general? What's going to happen with healthcare? All of these things rank above climate change. And they know that as soon as you dive into any of these climate proposals that anybody is throwing out there, even like the most modest of them is still like one and a half trillion dollars, that their taxes have to go up. Bernie Sanders at least admits it in his insane proposal. Half of them deny it, (laughs) but at least, I mean, you have to acknowledge that taxes are going to go up and especially on the middle class who've already been kind of milked to death here. So the average voter that's really going to be interested is not going to take an interest in climate change and the new green deal, which is going to promise all these things to, uh, to the poorest people while sucking money out of their wallets to pay for it. And even that, even if it does suck all their money out, we still can't do it without printing trillions and trillions of more dollars are going deeper and deeper into debt. So losing issue. But as we're seeing all, all these Democrats want to show it to the forefront for some reason. And the media 
is complicit in this. And it's to the point where, you know, I was reading an article about somebody asking whether or not this was essentially like journalistic malpractice. You know, these these climate uh, climate mad media persons and organizations have signed on. You know, there was like a call to climate arms by one publication or other. It was probably like the fucking Atlantic or some some other liberal publication. But it was a hyper-liberal publication, which said, oh, we, we call upon media to address this and really report on climate change, yada, yada. And so like 105 organizations committed to covering climate, but they don't really cover it, honestly. They cover it in the same way that you would expect a leftist organization to cover things, which is typically, okay, well, this is a problem. We're only going to cover it and say that it's a problem. We're going to hyper-exaggerate that it's a problem. I mean, look at any of the coverage you see in Washington Post or CNN or MSNBC or Huffington Post. Anytime anything happens, they associate it with climate change, whether or not it is actually linked. They don't bother asking experts. They don't bother checking with uh, the latest papers. They don't do any investigative research. They simply regurgitate the left talking points on climate change. And if anybody dares to bring anything to their attention to refute that, like what I just talked about, this study in jams, they either ignore it completely or they say that you're a climate denier. So how can you have honest journalistic reporting from organizations that have already signed on and committed to covering climate change, however, from the mindset that it is a problem? And that is the, you know, the original publication that called to arms all these organizations. That was their emphasis too. They wanted people to cover this as though it was a problem. So if that's the tact you're taking coming in, how can you possibly be expected to be unbiased in your reporting? It is, I mean, it is a fucking sickness, man. All right. Anyway, let's move on. So I'd say I'm not going to talk too much about climate change and, and that thing. It was the couple of the more ridiculous things, one of which was Bernie Sanders in response to a, uh, a quip on population control. And, you know, usually I would go ahead and just pull that clip from YouTube, but I just had like a meltdown because my, <laughs> you guys, I'm telling you about it because you would otherwise never know, but hey, you know, you, you a little peek behind the curtain, pull a kimono aside, never hurt. I was freaking out because I recorded that whole song. I recorded 20 minutes of the episode. And then all of a sudden, for no reason, could not hear anything I was recording. Couldn't get it to export. Couldn't get the sound to play. So I was like, oh my God, did I just, did I just lose that whole song? Is it unusable? Am I going to have to spend 45 minutes, you know, recording this thing again and, and tuning it? Blah, 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 blah. Great, it'll be easier the second time around. But thank God it was just a corrupted track. So I'm back in now. But long story short, now I don't have time to pull this this audio anymore. So I'm just going to read you what Bernie said and uh, the question that prompted it. And we'll just move on from there. So here is the question by a teacher. Oh, God. Oh, God. CNN identified this woman as a teacher. I didn't even realize she was a teacher before reading this article in The Hill. Martha Redioff, a teacher, asked this question. Quote, empowering women and educating everyone on the need to curb population growth seems a reasonable campaign to enact. Would you be courageous enough to discuss this issue and make it a key feature of a plan to address climate catastrophe? And of course, <laughs> Bernie Sanders says yes. So again, it's operating under the premise that it empowers women to control pop the, the population. Women are empowered by uh, by by killing off these uh, these babies, I guess. I, I don't know. So 
Bernie Sanders' response to this was, well, Martha, the answer is yes. And I'll do my best Bernie Sanders for you. The answer to everything to do with the fact that women in the United States of America, by the way, have a right to control their own bodies and make reproductive decisions. The Mexico City Agreement, which denies American aid to those organizations around the world that allow women to have abortions or even get involved in birth control, to me, is totally absurd. So I think, especially in poor countries around the world, where women do not necessarily want to have large numbers of babies and where they can have the opportunity to birth control to control the number of kids they have, I think is something I very, very strongly support. So essentially, Bernie Sanders is saying that we should control the other populations of the world by virtue of giving them aid to provide birth control and reproductive choices to women. Now, people were really losing their minds about this, saying, oh, Bernie Sanders wants to control the population and limit population. I don't know. I, I, nah, I'm not, I'm not really buying into that. I will say that it is insane on its face, though, that the United States should build into any climate plan a financial incentive to stop other countries from having babies, though. I mean, my God, Planned Parenthood was already founded by a uh, a racist woman who wanted to have black babies stop being born, and that was essentially how it started. Nobody likes to talk about that. But for us to take that and make it a positional governmental position, you know, to go all these other countries, primarily filled with people that are not white, that we're giving aid to, I guess Israel's kind of white, but uh, I think they have plenty of birth control. All these countries we're going to give aid to. We're essentially saying we're going to try to stop you from having babies and we're going to give you money to do it. So here, go give your population birth control. Meanwhile, that would not help the, the countries. I mean, if anything, falling birth rates, are, birth rates are not a great thing. Usually rising birth rates are more helpful for a, uh, a nation than, uh, than falling are. But just think of that. From an official position of America, not only are we going to go and drop bombs on people that are uh, that are people of color, the POC, as the, and now we're mandated to call them, not only dropping bombs of POCs worldwide, but we want to make sure that they stop having so many babies. Because the women in these countries, they don't want to have large numbers of families, but it's just because they don't have access to birth control. Uh, and by the way, you can get birth control in Mexico over the fucking counter. In China, you can also get it over the fucking counter. I was there with my girlfriend at the time. She had to get birth control. We got it over the counter. So most of these other countries actually have an easier option to get birth control. Now, granted, in Rwanda and uh, in deepest, darkest Africa, they might not. In the middle of the Middle East, they might not. They they probably don't. But are we actually going to presume that the United States is going to find that they're going to take money to the tune of millions of dollars? That money is really going to get to the people that it's intended to help, right? Never mind all the other billions and billions of dollars in humanitarian aid and whatever other bullshit we like to pretend is going, you know, this money's going to actually help these people. Never mind that all of that money gets routed into politicians' pockets, gets routed off to warlords, never makes it anywhere close to its intended targets. And instead, we have food rotting on docks while people line their own pockets. We really think that these fucking countries where people would honestly need birth control, that our money is going to get that to them that magically we're going to be able to go in there, open up a new CVS in the middle of the fucking jungle. And that these people are going to have their birth control fucking moronic. Not only is it immoral, but it is moronic. Okay. So that was one golden moment from it. Uh, the other one, which is just the absolute best 
was Joe Biden having his eyeball filled with blood. I mean, is there, will, will there ever be a better moment in politics than this? That a 76-year-old man who's already prone to having gas left and right, who claims that he would beat up Donald Trump, bleeding out of his eye, and it's not like a bird flew in the window. Remember when, remember when, remember when Bernie Sanders was giving his speech and like a bluebird landed on the podium and, uh, and all the fucking Bernie supporters lost their minds as though he was Snow White and this was a sign from God? Well, if he was Snow White... And turns out he wasn't because the evil queen got him with a with a poison apple uh, that turned out to be the Democratic National Committee. Uh, <laughs> he was Snow White. Then who was Joe Biden? Because he looked like the Terminator up there. And if uh, Bernie Sanders' bird flying down and landing on the podium was a sign from God that Bernie was some sort of magical creature, Joe Biden's eyeball filling with blood has to be some sign that he is the oldest Antichrist ever. He's really been taking his time enjoying life. And now he's fully decided to become the Antichrist. I mean, good God. But uh, wow, hilarious. Uh, another one I'll uh, I'll talk about real quick is, uh, let's talk about you know Kamala Harris trotting out this old canard. We only have 11 years to cut our emissions in half. No, wrong, stupid, idiotic nonsense. Just like AOC, who thought we had 12 years left you know, until the end of the world. None of this is true. This is a misunderstanding of a very basic paper that came out that said nothing about the world ending or nothing about irrevocable change uh, to the climate system, that the world was unsavable after this if we didn't cut our emissions in half. None of that's true. This whole 11-year, 12-year figure is simply referring to GDP, global GDP, and even that, I'd say, is complete horseshit. Not even, I mean, what are the metrics they're basing it on? Okay, what loss of of property by the the sea? Really? That's okay. So you're presuming that we're going to lose what? I can't even. I, can't, I don't even know what the fucking figure was. It was something where you go, okay, even that figure is not that terrifying. And like anything, it's like these things just happen overnight. You see them coming, you move it back, you build it out. Probably, if anything, GDP will go up because we're going to have all sorts of industries spring up to stop this catastrophe from happening in the first place. Building more seawalls, operating, you know, raising houses up, doing whatever it is. The human race has founded itself on, on evolving, on beating climate, on beating the natural environment, on making do, on finding creative ways to overcome. You're going to tell me that this was a real issue? We wouldn't come together and find a way to overcome it? You wouldn't find, tell me that there's not entrepreneurs out there starting new companies that are going to be invent ways to try to help save your house or prop it up or you know, whatever it might take. I guarantee you they'll find a way to solve it. If it was a real issue. And everything I'm seeing from Obama's $15 million mansion to these miscalculated temperature readings to the lackadaisical efforts, you know, this is basically just a farce. You know, it's like they're going out there. They're putting on this big show. It's like the Greek drama. You know, you've got these asshole Dems standing out there yelling about climate change and go, oh, here it comes. Here's the circus. And then you have the media out there like the chorus. Oh, yes, this is a problem. Ah. It's all theater. None of them believe it. None of them are actually acting on it as though it's a real issue. And none of them are affected by it. The people that are affected by it are the poorest people. It's the middle middle class taxpayers. The poor people are going to pay more for every single thing if they put a carbon tax out there or if they try to put real, just like in France, if they put more gas taxes on there or just like here in my goddamn local city, 
where they try to take away lanes of the of the road in order to piss people off to the point where they decide they don't want to drive their cars places. This is a real thing that happened in L.A. It's called the road diet. So the poor people, the working man, those are the people that pay this price. The elites don't pay shit. They can afford to get around it. They can afford to pay the, you know, the minimum increases and whatever it might be. They're not bothered by it. They're living in the ivory tower. Let the peons in the muck and the mire worry about footing the bill for all this. Worry about not being able to pay, make ends meet at the end of the month. It's not their problem. They're just going to tell you how to live without understanding how you actually live. All right. Pissing me off. Let's move on. Uh, you know what? Actually, I want to take a quick break, guys. So I told you about Conversation Matt time last week, but Bobby Wilson, my man, Bobby Wilson, right? No, nobody. Yeah, it's like from Back to the Future. Mayor Goldie Wilson. I like the sound of that. Anyway, <laughs> Bobby Wilson, uh, who owns Conversation Matt time. He is a uh, member of our pride. Of course, he is our highest member, highest you could be. And that's why he gets this wonderful ad in the middle of the show. And he asked me this week, instead of doing a conversation Matt time ad, he wanted me to actually come out and say to you out there, one of the reasons to, number one, join the Pride is, you know, we have a fantastic community on our Facebook page. Bobby is our uh, most active member, I would say. Uh, hugely important in our daily memeing. Also just good for commentary. Uh, obviously, has a very strong grasp of libertarianism, likes to have conversations and deep dive on it. And Bobby actually hosts calls for the Pride group. So what he'll do is he'll say, okay, let's get together at a time, talk about different issues of libertarianism, talk about current events, talk about some different questions people might have in the pride. So he hosts his own working groups with other pride members. I mean, shit, man, we should be paying him. But hey, turns out he's paying us. <laughs> this is how he wants to use it. So guys, go check out the pride, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. You can join for as little as $2 a month to get into our special secret pride group on Facebook. And you can take part in these calls with Bobby and the rest of the Pridesters. So uh, make sure to check that out. And again, a big thank you to Bobby for, uh, for everything he's doing for us right now. Okay. Let's get back into it. All right. Welcome back. Electric Liberty land episode number 141. Go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL 141 for the show notes. Now, let's come back and talk about this insane data grab by the government. And this is coming on the heels of, and I don't know how ICE is involved in this, but on the heels of the Department of Justice filing a court order to get information on users of Obsidian 4, which is a tool used to control rifle scopes made by Night Vision Specialist American Technologies Network Corp. And the reason they filed this is because ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, uh, is seeking information looking into an investigation into possible breaches of weapons export regulations. It's looking for illegal exporters of ATN scope, although the company itself isn't actually under investigation. So, again, I don't know why ICE is involved. So you think, if anything, it would be... <laughs> if anything, it would be... Uh, you know, the Bureau of Firearms, you would presume if we're talking about illegal exports of something associated with a weapon, I, I, I don't know. It, it, they lost me here. Long story short, though, this Obsidian 4 app is an app which allows people to calibrate their rifle scope by putting their phone to like a Google app or an iPhone app. You put your phone up to the scope. It helps you calibrate it. You can do it remote. You know, it's great. 
So they want to go in, ask and or try to mandate Apple and Google turn over user data so that they can see who's using these scopes and I guess where they got them or I, I, none of this really makes any fucking sense. So what are they going to do? They're going to try to get every single user that has it, which is like, you know, 10,000 users. They're going to try to get that in order to figure out who might have an illegally exported scope. I guess double checking registration or purchase records. Again, that seems like it would violate a secondary uh, privacy breach where you'd have to demand sales data from people to find out who purchased what, when it's just, just insane. So long story short, because there's some sort of bizarre export issue with an illegal scope being exported, the government thinks that they can demand 10,000 users worth of data access, probably their sales history access what they're doing on their phone and the usage of this app. Because obviously if you're calibrating it, they have to get in, get your data from the app, see what you're seeing to see if you're using the scope properly. And then they're going to go in after going through all of those innocence information and data, God knows what else is in there. After that, then they're going to apparently go and track down. I don't know how many of these, how many of these scopes could be out there. I, I have no clue. How many people bought this app to calibrate that scope? I don't know. A far smaller number, I would guess. I would guess most people don't use an app to calibrate their scopes. So probably, if we're being honest, the government's going to go 10,000 data deep in order to catch five people that have bought a scope. <laughs> that's that's going to be my guess. Now, at this point, it's not definitive that Google and Apple are going to turn over their data. And uh, although I'd be shocked if there wasn't some sort of rollover. However, you've got to hope that they would fight him because if they turn this kind of stuff over, who's to say that you can't use, you know, the government can't go and say, okay, well, you know, we want to see uh, everybody's records from Pokemon Go or whatever the latest interactive game is where you're going around places with your phone out and looking at shit all the time. Because then you say, if you go through that data, well, maybe there was a murder in an area. You say, okay, well, we're going to go through all the phone data of all the people that use any app that uses video in that area because we have to find a killer in this region. Right now, this is an extreme example, but... If you can go through and request people's data that's taking video on their scopes or use what calibration setting it's set to, well, if they roll over for that, then a logical extension to that is to say, well, what else can we use it for? What other apps are utilizing this type of technology and video, video capture? So you can see it's less a slippery slope than it is an elevator shaft, which you are sure to push us down as soon as humanly possible. Because once this dam breaks, there is absolutely no going back. So that's a quick story to talk about. Uh, next, what I want to talk about real fast is <laughs> while, while we're on the topic of guns. So we talked about this briefly during the, I think it was the draft that we did. Uh, actually, no, you know what? It might even have been uh, de a degenerate gamblers episode. But the National Rifle Association has fought back now and filed a lawsuit against San Francisco, who are a, uh, a community district, or no, sorry, not a district court, a uh, community board, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, had voted to pass a resolution calling the NRA a domestic terrorist organization. And they said this was because the U.S. was plagued by an epidemic of gun violence, which, by the way, not true. Statistically, absolutely not true. And gun violence has actually gone down every single fucking year. 
uh, for the, about the past 20 years, maybe more. And also that these, uh, these you know, mass shootings aren't even really up. Uh, they, they tend to happen in a similar fashion now, and they're getting a lot more media attention, but the overall number of mass, mass shootings has stayed fairly even. Anyway, San Francisco Board of Supervisors passed this resolution saying that the U.S. is plagued by epidemic gun violence, and they said the NRA is using, quote, its considerable wealth and organization strength to promote gun ownership and incite gun owners to acts of violence. And that's why uh, they're declared a domestic terrorist organization. Let me ask you, what in what world is the NRA using its organization's strength to promote gun ownership and incite gun owners to acts of violence? I don't know. You know I'm not an NRA member. I know a lot of us have issues with NRA because they do not actually protect the Second Amendment right anywhere near as much as we would prefer they protect it. But I really haven't seen any videos out there telling them to go and shoot your neighbor in the face. It seems to be mostly training on gun safety, on uh, good gun ownership, on getting together and talking to people, maybe going to shooting clubs. Nothing in this is <laughs> nothing in this is really going down the avenue of inciting people to act out violently by using their guns on other Americans. I mean, yeah, I just I don't remember seeing Charlton Heston up there going, "Now listen to me. Go out Take your pistol, put it in an old lady's ass, and pull the trigger till it goes click. That's not a great Charlton Heston impression. Get your paws off me, you dirty apes! Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Uh, it's really, like, what... I mean, we all know that San Francisco is not a community based in reality. I mean, that city is so surrounded and, and infused with human feces, I think, by now, that the noxious fumes have enveloped them in a way where the toxicity is interacting, kind of making them live in this fantasy dream world. You know, it's like when people in prison will crap in a bag and then huff it to get high. And yes, that's a real thing. You should look it up. You'll probably regret it, but you should look it up. I'm pretty sure that's what's happening to the entire city of San Francisco. I am pretty sure that either it's the fumes and they're getting high off the fecal matter in the air, or... Just like old ladies, you know, the reason they say uh, a lot of people get Alzheimer's is because of the bacteria in cat shit. I'm thinking that bacteria might be in those homeless people's shit too. Maybe they're eating a lot of cat food. Cat food's high in fat. Cat food's cheap. You go buy some cat food. You're eating that instead of your hoagies, getting high, shitting in the street. Now you got that human cat bacteria thing. Mass Alzheimer's. People forgetting how the world works. They're getting delirious. They don't know what's happening in the real world. Thus... I've just explained how you can think that the NRA is a domestic terrorist organization that incite violence. Bingo, bango. So anyway, good to see that the NRA is going to be suing these people. I, uh, I, I mean, I would agree that it is complete and total slander. Absolutely ridiculous for a city to make a resolution like that. So we'll see how it plays out in court. And, uh, and hopefully the nice uh, assholes of San Francisco get a nice smack in the face. Tell them to shut the fuck up once in a while, as Dave Chappelle said. How about you just shut the fuck up? All right, next thing I want to talk about. <laughs> I just got a lot of dumb stories to talk about, to be honest. Two more. Actually, one more pissed off story, then two more dumb stories. Uh, how about this one? DMVs are selling citizens' data to private investigators. Yes. So, several departments of motor vehicles around the U.S., including Virginia, Florida, Delaware, North Carolina, Wisconsin, New Jersey, and Texas, sold drivers' personal information to businesses, including private investigators. 
This is according to Vice's motherboard. And you know how much I hate Vice, but hey, man, I will uh, tip my cap if there's actually good reporting. So Vice is reporting that these states have made tens of millions of dollars annually selling this data to companies, uh, including insurance and towing businesses. So if they know that you've got uh, tickets that are out of, let's say you built up a certain number, let's say your car is now due for an impound, they will sell that data to towing companies, essentially hiring mercenaries to go out and tow your car, make sure they know exactly where you are, where you live, and that you're overdue. Additionally, by selling this information to private investigators, this woman, Erica Olson, who who, uh, is the director of Safety Net at the National Network to End Domestic Violence, made a really good point in saying that the selling of personally identifying information to third parties is broadly a privacy issue for all and specifically a safety issue for survivors of abuse, including domestic violence, sexual assault, stalking, and trafficking. For survivors, their safety may depend on their ability to keep this type of information private. And that is pretty damn true because, again, if you are a guy who's obsessed or psychopath, not just a guy, by the way, or a girl, any type of stalker, any type of nut job, if you know that you can hire a private investigator and a private investigator can get this information easily from the DMV who he's got to deal with, then bingo. Here you go. Here you go, stalker. Thanks for hiring me. Here's where this person lives. Here's their car information. Uh, here's, you know, whatever else they have, they're always scanning license plates driving around. I don't know exactly what information the DMV has on us at this point, but it is scary to know that the government is fucking monetizing that information. And I don't remember signing off on that anywhere. Do you Now California wasn't on the list? Maybe people in Jersey and Texas checked the box without reading the, uh, (laughs) the terms of service. But since when should the government have a terms of service that includes being able to sell its citizens' data to private companies for something that they are forced to go through? Because I'm sure, just like any of these other things, I'm sure they make you check the box in order to get the service completed. So they're essentially forcing you, if you want to own a driver's license, which should just be, you know, you drive a car wherever you want to drive a goddamn car, but they make you do it. So if you're forced to get a driver's license to get to work, or you're forced to get a driver's license to drive your kids around, now you're also forced into a condition wherein you know your private data is being sold off and there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. Absolutely disgusting. All right, last two things. Number one, good news a judge ruled that the terror watch list violates constitutional rights. Yes. Awesome. U.S. District Attorney Judge Anthony Trenga has granted a summary judgment to nearly two dozen Muslim U.S. citizens who challenged the watch list with the help of a Muslim civil rights group, the Council on American Islamic Relations. Now, of course, that organization will be called by the Israeli uh, lovers as a terrorist organization, but seems to me that it can't all be bad if they're helping these people get off a terrorist watch list that they've been, they've been placed on, which I agree is completely unconstitutional. Well, good, <laughs> good. So this judge essentially said that by being placed on this watch list, which of course you don't know about before you're placed on it, you don't know about it when you are placed on it. And it's almost impossible to get off of when you're put on this watch list, you go to the airport and you're handcuffed. You're uh, taken into custody you're subjected to invasive secondary searches. So the judge says, look, this is significant. You have a right to due process and your constitutional rights are being infringed. Bravo, man. 
And he also said the concerns about placement on the list are legitimate, about people being put on this list willy-nilly, because as I've talked about many a time, you know, you could get put on one of these lists for knowing somebody that knows somebody that may be a terrorist. So somebody that you might never meet in your life knows somebody that they might know briefly that knows somebody that might be a terrorist, and now you're on a goddamn watch list. And as of June 2017, 1.6, 1.16 million people were on this watch list. 1.16 million people. Now, most of them are foreigners, of course. But there's also over 4,500 U.S. citizens and lawful permanent residents that are on the watch list as well. You cannot get off this thing once you're on it. You don't know you're on it. Good luck taking the good luck taking your case to court, getting the government to talk about it. So this judge has done, done really, honestly, in my opinion, a fantastic service for the cause of liberty for fighting back against government, uh, taking away the rights of due process, stealing away your liberties, and placing you on a list in which you are inevitably going to be trapped on, probably for the rest of your life, and with little recourse to do anything about it. So. Bravo, Judge. Keep up the good work. Okay, now two more things. I swear to God. Sorry. This is, so many, I, this is the problem. When, you, when you're when you doing a show like this, I keep, I don't even know. I've got like 25 news links here. And then, of course, John Bolton gets fired. And my entire plan for the show just gets thrown out the fucking window today because he got fired at the, the morning I'm recording this. He gets fired. And, of course, this whole thing happens with the Taliban thing. So my whole... My whole uh, plan just went out the window. So this might be a little bit more of a frazzled show than usual when I'm, I'm flicking around more because I don't really... My plan is is no plan at all. But um, I got to talk about these two things. You know, talking about Bobby Wilson, guy I was talking about in the commercial earlier, posted a hilarious little article in our forum. And that is about the new Miss Monopoly from Hasbro, Hasbro, which is supposed to celebrate women's empowerment by giving women a head start in the game. Right? Just think about that. They get they get empowerment by getting more money and starting the game with more money. Isn't that fucking the most absolutely condescending little pat on the head? Hey, you can't hack it. Let's make sure that you have an advantage over everybody else without having to earn it at all thing you've ever heard in your life. I mean, what, who, why would anybody think that this was a good idea? Look, women, we want you to feel better about yourselves. So here's a little extra cash. <laughs> if anything, that sounds like what a husband would do for his wife that came home mad. Hey, baby, here's a little extra cash. Go get yourself something nice. Go buy some bonbons. Here, treat yourselves to a Real Housewives DVD. <laughs> this is so stupid. And they're saying that, that the, and the rationale for this is even, is even better. So here's the quote from Hasbro's statement. It's, quote, a fun new take on the game that creates a world where women have an advantage often enjoyed by men the company said, but don't worry if men play their cards right, they can make more money too. <laughs> okay. And instead of, uh, that's all the only difference. So they say, instead of buying property, players also invest in inventions created by women, things like Wi-Fi and chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> all right. Uh, and also there's the old jail and luxury taxes, all this other crap. 
they also had Monopoly Socialism that came out earlier, and I guess was widely panned. I never read it, never saw it, don't know. But this is not the first stupid thing Hasbro's put out. And uh, I don't know. I, I got to think this is one where the real feminists of the world will take a lot of umbrage to a game that feels that women have to be to have to be mandated to get more money in order to compete with men on a fair battlefield. At just uh, <laughs> if if your head isn't so far up your woke ass uh, that you can see your own intestinal tract, you can kind of see the issue with this. Oh, God. All right. Last one. Uh, the true idiots of the week, though, is London's Aquarium. They are going to raise the world's first gender-neutral penguin. And this is on the heels of a same-sex penguin couple that they've got at the zoo. And the same-sex penguin couple, they decided that they, they've going to give this same-sex penguin couple a baby penguin. But they're not going to give the baby penguin a name. And that is what's going to make it the first gender neutral penguin. It's not a hermaphrodite. It's got a gender. I don't think they, I don't think the story they tell us what the gender is, but it's got a gender. Uh, They're just not going to give it a gender specific name. So please explain to me in what world this makes any fucking sense. The penguin being a penguin doesn't have an understanding that just, you know, like our, if we're to believe the humanities experts and the women's studies and the gender studies experts, gender is simply a social construct, right? So if that's true, this penguin would have to have a pretty complex understanding of gender theory and that gender is in fact a social construct to understand that it wasn't going to have a name. It also would have to understand that it had a fucking name, which I don't think penguins understand they have names. I don't think penguins are quite that smart. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe it made a response to something. So little uh, Subantha or whatever the fucking they're going to call this thing. So number one, though, has to have a pretty complex understanding of gender theory. Number two, has to ignore the basic biology of, you know, being a fucking water bird which is going to dictate whether or not it has eggs, whether or not it wants to mate with males or females, whether or not it is going to raise babies, whether or not it's going to develop its body in one way or the other, because, you know, it's biology and it is an animal. And no matter how much this penguin might be taught about gender theory, it's still going to end up to be a fucking male penguin or a female penguin. And no matter what kind of bullshit you make up with it in a British accent at the London Aquarium, it's still just going to be a fucking penguin that's a male penguin or a female penguin. So that's it. That's that's the idiots of the week right there. And now I'm going to end this podcast. I'm going to pray that this episode exports correctly and that you lovely people out there get to hear it. So thank you and good night. From me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty, from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into Liberty. <laughs>